to start with a song. I right out the gate. Fill my life with music. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Period. That's it. I am always singing things that should not be sung for <laughs> the fun of it. I don't know why. I've okay. literally always done that. Well, the welcome comedy. to our podcast. <laughs> welcome to quarantine. We have been in full isolation, as in no contact with the outside world, for the past Two weeks. 14 days. Yes. Two weeks today. I feel like my brain, I always, I feel like my brain is constantly melting these days. Um, do you know how I know that I've hit a new tier in, I don't know, de-evolution of myself? I don't know where, I feel like we're all rediscovering stuff we liked when we were like young and now we're all like, well, I'm bored at home, so let's pick up old hobbies and whatever. <laughs> I watched eight episodes of America's Next Top Model last night between the hours of in like a row? 2 to 5 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> Marcy. Marcy. That's, what season? Uh, cycle seventeen, the All Star season, where they have all the fan favorites from previous seasons. Oh my come back. god! What like year was that? Oh god, I don't know. Nicki Minaj was a guest judge in it, so it wasn't. Oh wow! I mean, it was cycle seventeen. It wasn't like two thousand four or something. It's mm. definitely still dated. Yeah. Um, like, don't worry about that. It's still dated, but it could be worse. It could be worse. I feel like I've seen a lot of people talking about America's Next Top Model for some reason. Just like on Twitter, everyone is like, I think everyone is just rediscovering America's Next Top Model, you know? Anyway, that's enough about ANTM. Um, what's going on today? Wait, we haven't even done our intro. Oh my God, my brain is jelly. My brain is jelly. Head <sighs> empty. No thoughts. Hello, I'm Gray. And I'm Marcy. And I'm a writer. And I'm a reader. And this is... Bookends, a literary podcast. Where we talk about books yeah you did it that time i did it i did it that time yeah Woo! all right you want to get into this yeah let's do this so uh we're in a new month and a new theme a new time for ourselves and our lives and well i don't know what this intro is our new theme is beginnings (laughs) our new theme is beginnings our new theme is spring related because it's april our new theme is fun it's quirky. We accidentally both chose YA fantasy with LGBT main characters, which I'm really into. So not mad that we both picked that. You know I'm always down for it. We also picked the beginning, like the first book in a new series. That's what we took to mean, beginning to mean. So for There are also new releases. Oop, and new releases. Yes, yes. New releases. Recent releases. Um, so for today's segment, I want to do... A little, a little, a little bit of a trope watch, a little bit of an informational sort of thing, and then I want to do. I don't know if it's. A, I guess. A, I guess one might consider it a game. Um, my own version of um, F. Mary Kill. I'm never sure if we can cuss on the podcast. Like sometimes I do, and it feels wrong. Like, yeah. Can I say? Can I say fuck Mary Kill on the podcast? Uh, I don't I, know. So. <sighs> We never really decided if we were explicit or not, and so I just mark explicit on the episodes where you say the F word, and then I don't mark explicit I on any feel, other episodes, even it if you makes say me other swear words. Even though we're like, <laughs> even though I'm like an adult, and you're like an adult, it makes you feel the guilt. Like, I'm like, oh no. But anyway. Anyway. Say what you want. I'll just put the little explicit next to it if you want, or you okay. can keep not saying it, and then it just won't. It's really up to you, so. That's fair. So, first we're going to do a trip watch. I'm going to talk about rakes. Marcy, do you know what a rake is? Uh, n- I have an idea, but no. Fair no, enough. I don't. I should just say no. So, 
A rake is an archetype that originates from the late 17th century. Um, it's actually fun because we talked about this in my British literature class recently. And I was like, haha, I can use this for the pod. Um, it's short for rake hell, which is synonymous with like Hellraiser. And it means a man who participates in immoral conduct, particularly womanizing. So he usually wastes his fortune on gambling, wine, women, and entertainment. And he, quote, racks up some debt in the process. So, like, he's known for being, like, rich and salacious and carefree. And very known for being, like, witty and clever as well. And also, I would argue, a little bit of an asshole. So some kind of comparable archetypes are like the bad boy but the important component is the wittiness and the flirtatious flir- flirtatiousness is that a word oh well so i buy it yes so that is just like a quick overview of what it is it's just a fun just a fun for our game now marcy i've just given you the definition of a rake so the key characteristics of this are that a rake is clever loves sex and loves hedonism we're also going to be talking about himbos. Marcy, do you know what a, do you know what a himbo is? I just love. I do know what a himbo is. Um, I just love the tonal shift between you giving me a very scholarly definition of a rake and then going straight into himbo. Um, a fun fact is we we literally talked about himbos in class when we were learning about rakes. <gasps> you did. We talked about himbos for a while. Oh, I the love students that. taught our teacher what a himbo was, and she was like, "I love this definition." So, so anyway, do you want to explain what a himbo is? Um, I mean, you've seen I've done some research, but <laughs> I can. I it, the research is my own personal. Inf- I didn't do any research for this one. I just knew what it was. I just wrote it from my brain. Okay, a himbo is a buff, dumb man who respects women. <laughs> That's like almost exactly what I wrote. So correct. So we got himbo. We got rake. And our third definition is um nice guy so i'm sure you all know what like a nice guy is in not in the the like actual sense of like a nice man but in the pejorative like a man who is unassuming and doesn't respect women and pretends to care about women but is actually really gross and doesn't respect her boundaries except yeah the type of guy who thinks his friendship should be rewarded with sexual exactly behaviors so we are going to take these three definitions and substitute F. Mary Gill. I was like, I don't, do I want to say it? I don't know. We're going to substitute those with these definitions. And I'm going to give you three, I'm going to give you three sets of three, like three rounds of three, like popular male characters, most of which are love interests. And you're going to have to, we're, we're going to decide together who, which we think they fit under, which ones that we think they fit under. But like each, like they can't overlap. You cannot have two mm. himbos in a gotcha in a set. So each so, set has to have one of each thing. So even if it doesn't fit perfectly, you got to make sacrifices. You have to. I'm ready. All right. So our first set includes Draco Malfoy, Romeo of Romeo and Juliet fame, and James Bond. I know so little about James Bond, but he has to be Rake because I feel like he's he's got to be clever. He's definitely a womanizer because being a Bond girl is like a whole thing. Um, so he's easily rake. Uh, starts to break down. We had Draco Malfoy and who else? Romeo of Romeo oh, and Juliet Romeo fame. Of... Not Nomeo of Nomeo and, Ju- and Juliet fame, but we could do him too. <laughs> 
<laughs> we could do Nomeo. Nomeo's a nice guy. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> what was your response to that so immediate? What? <laughs> just, Why was that it? He wants to be. <laughs> I will take that answer, but it was so quick. Okay. Oh, it's been. I mean, it has been a while since I've seen Nomeo and Juliet, but. When I was like. Ten. I was at my friend's house and she had The Sims and we were playing with it and I tried to make um Juliet from Nomeo and Juliet on The Sims. So was so just a person at that point. I realize now. Anyway, <laughs> I just tried to make Juliet. You can't make a gnome on The Sims. No. <laughs> That's just Juliet. Like you've taken like... away the gnome part because <laughs> they're just normal humans. That's like if someone anthropomorphizes an animal and then takes the person and makes them an animal. It's like, you've just circled around. You've made it again. Anyway. Uh, Ouroboros, you might say. Ouroboros. <laughs> Ouroboros. The Ouroboros of Nomeo and Juliet. Oh anyway. my God. Okay. So, <laughs> Romeo. Um, <laughs> all right. I guess Romeo, I don't know. So, the problem with Romeo is that when I picture him, I can only picture Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm. In I see. In Baz Luhrmann's version of Romeo and Juliet, because it is my favorite version of Romeo and Juliet. Um, so, the, because I want to put, I want to say Romeo is himbo because he's stupid. <laughs> I think that's fair. And and full disclosure, there is no wrong. There's no wrong answer to any of okay. these. I just am interested okay. in what you categorize them as. So yeah, I went ahead I... and said what I would make them, just because like. Mm-hmm. I just want to go ahead and do it. I did. I put Romeo as a himbo for that reason because I was like, well, I don't know how much he respects women, but I feel like he respects women more than Draco, number one. And number two, he's very dumb. Yeah, it's the dumbness. And it's the fact that I think he's well-meaning. Like, Yeah, he's not like mean, I don't think. I mean, it's been a minute since I've seen any adaptation or read Romeo and Juliet, but I don't remember him being like like a mean person. Like he yeah, was just like, like a like, jerk. Yeah. And you yeah. could interpret him as beefy. I don't know. That's true. I, I don't mean, imagine we don't Leonardo know for sure. Is beefy, but I mean, he's like fourteen or whatever. But <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> like he's probably not old enough to be beefy, but that's okay. Um, so with that being said, that leaves Draco as nice guy, which I feel like he is kind of an entitled person. So that yeah. sort of works out. And he and he's not. I realize belatedly that he is not a love interest or romantic lead in any. Well, way. he is for someone. I guess he is. For that is true. But he he did fit the sort of brooding. I was mostly looking originally for examples of rakes. I don't think Draco's a rake, but it led me down a rabbit hole of like brooding male characters and so i just threw him on the list because he was already on my brain so that was round one um round Woo. two we have edward cullen hamlet and achilles you made this one hard <laughs> oh no i made the first one a little <sighs> bit easy in terms of like you can kind yeah, of this is hard pick but I'm okay. So the way I'm doing this in my head right now is in, like the way I'm having to think about it is instead of assigning each of them a specific category, I'm imagining a scale and mm, I'm putting them on the line I on see. the scale and wherever they land closest to is what they have to go to. So we had, I'm sorry, Romeo. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, Hamlet. <laughs> my brain is jelly. Hamlet. Brain Edward Cullen. Achilles. Achilles. Um, I, whatever adaptation of Achilles you want. I was thinking yeah. like um madeline miller is that the author's name that wrote cersei yes yeah 
I was thinking like her version of Achilles, like song of. I don't even know what version of Achilles I'm thinking of. I think I'm thinking of some average total of all the Achilles versions. Yeah, that's fair. Um, well, I feel like I have to give him himbo because he's buff. He doesn't respect women, though. That is, yeah, that was that was my heartbreak too. I was like, he is buff. He's probably very stupid, but he. I mean, the Greeks didn't really respect women at all. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not part of their culture. Not, not really their thing. What was the name yeah. of that book you recommended me that talked about that? Uh, Silence of the Girls. Still yes. one of my most, like, that's a book that when everyone's like, oh, you read a lot. What should I read? That's the book I tell people to read. Aw. I, yeah, I thought of that when um, I put him on the list because I was like, what would he be under? And I was like, ah, that one book, though. I can't make him. He doesn't respect women, but. So, but so mm-hmm. you would place him himbo because of the beef. I guess just due to beef in him, I just don't. I think he's the beefiest of the three. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, Hamlet. I'm going with Rake, but I like don't feel great about it. It's mostly because I think Edward is a more nice guy because, which is weird because I don't know. He's just so like old fashioned in his like beliefs and like I don't think he would like befriend a girl without expecting it to like move on because i don't think i don't know does that make any sense at all this is no like, not that great. does yeah i agree that and i tried to make this one a little harder so that's obviously was purposeful rake does not fully summarize hamlet i don't think he's a womanizer i just think it and i don't even know if he's he is clever he's also stupid do you know what i mean he, like, he just spends has... the whole play being like oh gosh what should i do and it's like well, i think it's just on. because he seems a little bit more like he doesn't plan out his like course of action, you know, like Edward thinks about things a lot, you know, like he wouldn't just like, I feel like a rake has a little bit more of a freedom to them mm. that Edward definitely doesn't have. And Edward is like definitely not yeah. a womanizer. Edward he's would all not, like, yeah. He's all like, no, Bella, I must marry you, even though we're both, or I'm an adult and you're a teenager, but blah, 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 blah. So, no, Bella, look at the skin of a killer. <laughs> I'm Mormon. <laughs> you look so good in your corduroy full-length skirt or whatever. Khaki. The khaki skirt. Full-length khaki skirt. It's extremely sexual. Anyway, so, yeah, so that would so, leave Edward as a nice guy. Yeah, so both Edward and Hamlet kind of get their categories because they just, they're very much not the other category. So then they have to be stuck with the ones that they are. That's fair. That's fair. So our final group includes Snape, Jay Gatsby of the Great Gatsby fame, and Dorian Gray. I port- port- picture of Dorian don't Gray. know anything about Dorian Gray. Interesting. Like now, do you I know what the plot of that know. book is? No, I don't know anything okay. about that book. That is the one where he is like that's the that's the Oscar Wilde one that was gay and they censored it. That's not related to the character. Well, it, anyway, whatever. He the plot is he has this portrait and he's like whenever he does bad things instead of it affecting him and like making him older and doing things to his outward appearance it does it to the portrait so it's like a symbol of his his soul because he's doing all of these salacious hedonistic bad things I think he kills mm. someone at one point in the book it's been a while since I've read it <laughs> but it's an evil portrait that is creepy and ages gotcha when as he okay. does not. So repeat my options again. Dorian Gray, Jay Gatsby, and Snape. Snape is nice guy. That is 
I think I don't even need to explain that. Yeah, you Snape don't. Snape is nice okay. guy. If, um, if we need to explain why Snape is the nice guy archetype in 2020, <laughs> reread this series and then come back to me. Anyway. Yeah, go look at that. If you don't get that, it means that you were too young when you read it and you've yet to look at it with adult That's, eyes. Yeah. Um, I know people who have tattoos of always. Oof. And it makes me cringe every time because I'm like, you know that like he wasn't romantic, right? Like, that's not who Lily ended up with. She didn't like him in what? He was like, like, race- he was like wizard racist. Like he was wizard late. racist. He abused his the love of his life's child. And just other kids. And just other kids. He just like, was all around like a bad guy. And like I get that he's complex and has layers, and that's fine to like a character because they're complex. But like don't think that his thing with Lily was romantic. Anyway, at the very least, that kind of tattoo is like vague enough because always could be most, you know, like that's just a word also. You know what I mean? Like it's not his name. So at the very yeah, least, but like you get could it like potentially... underneath the Deathly Hallows symbol. Oh, like it's never alone. Mm, it's always like Deathly Hallows symbol. Yeah, always. I take it back. I take it back. Yeah. Anyway, um, I'm really sorry if we just isolated and alienated and insulted someone who has that tattoo. <laughs> Ooh. Oh no, it's okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> oh no, I understand that to a lot of people, it probably just represents Harry Potter in general, which I think is fine. I have also considered getting Harry Potter tattooed on my body, um, so I think that that's really what people do is they pick it out because it's like this represents Harry Potter to me and it's aesthetically pleasing, and that's fine. I just don't like Snape, <laughs> which I think is valid. So Snape is very obviously nice guy. Yes, um, and then we have Dorian Gray, who I don't really know, so he's going to be process elimination. Um, I've literally forgotten the third one again. Jay Gatsby. Jay Gatsby. Um, I guess he would be rake-ish because he is definitely a womanizer. I don't know if he's clever, though. I don't know. Maybe he is in his own way. It's been a while since I have read Read The Great Gatsby. I don't think I ever even read it. I think I watched the movie for a class and then read excerpts from it, and then my teacher Mm. made us write an essay on it. We had a whole year devoted to American literature, and boy, howdy, did we talk about The Great Gatsby. It was the same year that the Boz Lerman version came out. So, like, oh, yeah, wow. it was all like, I, had a and field day. <laughs> I actually, that whole, I think it was junior year of high school for me. Um, that whole year was Great Gatsby themed because we were studying The Great Gatsby in English. It was like, I think it was actually like a year after the movie had come out. So, that meant that we watched it like in English too. Um, I think we were learning about like the 1920s in history at some like they were all overlapping at some point. And then one of my marching band warm ups was to a song like several of the songs, I think, from The Great Gatsby, because remember, they had a bunch of like they had like Beyonce and Britney Spears and stuff do like 20s versions of current songs to be in the movie. And so then I had like my junior of high school was was, the whole thing was Gatsby themed. I don't, okay, I was about to say I don't remember that, and that's because I was in middle school when you were junior high school, and so I would have not been at the school at all. So I take that thought back. But you know what I hate? I hate what? when people try to say it's it's a, it's historical fiction. No, it was written then. It was contemporary mm-hmm. at the time. Don't we had a whole conversation about this. I know, and it makes me mad because I went to the bookstore in the before times, before we weren't allowed to leave the house. And I saw it with historical fiction books as at like one of the displays. And it bothered me so 
yeah, very deeply. There is a difference between historical fiction fiction written in history. <laughs> like they're not <laughs> the same. Pumpkin. So what's interesting about your evaluation, I realize, is that I have accidentally alienated you <laughs> from uh Doria Gray because I didn't realize that you didn't know anything about him. But yeah, so I don't knowing know things about him, I placed him as the rake because his like whole thing in the book is that he's a hedonist and he like does immoral things or whatever, which well, then, immoral yeah, is, so... is a loose term. And um, to be fair, Gatsby, I think, can easily go himbo. Yeah. Well, I don't know yeah. if he respects women. <laughs> I feel like he's just, I feel like, I feel like the reason he is not also a rake outside of the rules of this game is that he's not like smart. Do you know what I mean? Like he's kind of dumb. Yeah. He's not. He, I mean, I, yeah. He's definitely not like a clever character. Yeah. So that has been Rake Himbo Nice Guy. I forgot what the last one was for a second. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> so, Marcy, why why am I talking about rakes? What what made this what made this come up? So, I believe you're talking about rakes because one of the main characters in the book we read this week was definitely a rake. Um, and that would be Sid from The Midnight Lie by Marie Rutowski. So let's, uh, you want to talk about this book? I would, I would love to talk about this book. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's get into it. Where Niram lives, crime abounds, a harsh tribunal rules, and society's pleasures are reserved for the high kith. Life in the ward is grim and punishing. People of her low status are forbidden from sampling sweets or wearing colors. You either follow the rules or pay a tithe and suffer the consequences. Niram keeps her head down and a dangerous secret close to her chest. But when she encounters Sid, a rakish traveler from far away who whispers rumors that the high caste possesses magic. Sid tempts Niram to seek that magic for herself. But to do that, Niram must surrender her whole life. She must place her trust in the sly stranger who asks, above all, not to be trusted. Set in the world of the New York Times best-selling Winners Trilogy, author Marie Rutowski returns with an epic LGBTQ romance fantasy about learning to free ourselves from the lies others tell us and the lies we tell ourselves. And that is The Midnight Lie by Marie Rutowski. Rutkowski. Oh my gosh! You messed it up. Can't believe you. Do you think The Lies We Tell Ourselves is the name of a book? already um because if not i call it i'm gonna google it (laughs) and just see if i can call dibs on that one the lies we tell ourselves uh a hundred percent can guarantee let's see here the lies we i hate my life it is it's by robin tolly who i like dang it it. robin you can have you can have more than one robin Anyway, but that is not this book. This book is about lies, but doesn't the name it's about book. a midnight lie. It's about a midnight or lie, multiple which of them. I never heard that term before. Is that a real term, or is that like made up in the lore of this book? I think that's a fan. I think that's made up because she explains what it means in the book. So I feel like if it were a real thing, she would. You know what I mean? She wouldn't. Yeah, she wouldn't uh, have to say. Yeah. What a midnight lie is. <laughs> anyway. As with all fantasy books, I have a very hard time describing this book. Um, It's like set on this beautiful island that's really isolated um, where there's basically a caste system in place. Just like my Animal Crossing island. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Wait, your Animal Crossing? 
Crossing Island has a caste system? Based on how much I like them, yes. And and <laughs> Olaf is at the bottom. <laughs> oh, God bless. Okay. Anyway, so just just like Gray's Island, Eggless. Um, it's called Eggless, yes. Add me on Switch. This- <laughs> God. Just like Gray's Island, Eggless, um, this island is set up with a caste system. And so Nerum, the main character, is at the lowest tier in the caste system. Um, so she's grown up like oppressed and she was an orphan and, you know, the whole tragic backstory. Um, and this book is basically like her journey of trying to find out why the caste system exists because no one will talk about it. That's like a big mystery in the book is that if you ask someone, we you know, why are things this way? Who was the first ruler? Like, when did our island get founded like what's our history no one knows anything about the history no one knows how it ended up how it is there's no answers for anything and Niram is one of the few if only characters who starts to question things um and she meets this traveler Sid who basically is the one who like inspires all of this change um while also being a very dubious love interest it is set in the same universe as the Winners Trilogy, which was my pick for Most Unexpected from 2019. Um, I really enjoyed that series, but you don't have to have read that series to know, like, to get any of it. Like, it didn't really add much at all um, to have read the Winners Trilogy because this is a totally separate, like, society. Um, they're only marginally intertwined. Like, Sid comes from the mainland which was where the Winter Trilogy takes place, but Sid was not a character in the original series because this is set like 20-something years later. I actually didn't know that about the mainland and stuff. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, if you read the Winter's Trilogy, you can read this, and it's a totally different story, and it's great. But if you didn't read the Winter's Trilogy, and this sounds like more your cup of tea than the Winter's Trilogy did, then you will still enjoy this, which I think is really awesome. So do you want to start breaking it down by ratings? I would love to. Okay, so for enjoyability, I gave The Midnight Lie 4.5, which I recognize is really high. I um, gave it a 5. <gasps> anyway. A 5? Have you ever yes. given a 5 for enjoyability before? I don't think so. I really, really liked this book, Marcy. You did really well. So, like, what did you like about it? Obviously, I liked it a lot, too, if I gave it a 4.5. So, well... Some of okay, some of it, some of the stuff that I enjoyed, because like part of for me, part of enjoyability is it's like a it's a mishmash of all of the other things that we give ratings on. So like writing style, I'll like give an actual rating for that, and you know stuff like that, blah blah blah. But the thing that really got me is I love the romance in this book. I love a the romance. I don't know if I have been this invested in a fantasy romance book in maybe like years in terms of like as I'm reading it being like I just want to keep reading and I just I just want to know I just want to know when they're gonna kiss so bad I just want them to kiss (laughs) I really liked it wow I'm so glad you liked it I like when I pick a good book it makes me feel good to know that I picked something that you enjoyed as well um 
I gave it a 4.5 just because I'm really picky about my fives and it has to be like basically perfect for me to give it a five. And it's kind of like when a teacher gives you a 98 on an essay and then doesn't give you any feedback because it's just because nothing's ever perfect, but they don't actually have anything wrong with it. Um, it's kind of the reason I gave it a 4.5 <laughs> as opposed to a five. Um, but I mean, I really loved it. I loved the romance. I was very excited for them to be together and like I felt really invested in it. I really loved the mystery of it all, like figuring out what happened on the island, why things are the way they are. Like I really, I felt very invested in the world, like understanding what was going on in the world because that's like very important to me as someone who likes fantasy is the world building aspect and thought that was done really well. I also was really, really invested, honestly, maybe even more than the romance, in Niram's personal growth. Yes. Um, this book I just screamed that. Is, I love Niram. While it is about a beautiful fantasy island with amazing lore and mystery and so many like unexpected little twists and turns and a fabulous lesbian romance, um, it is also about escaping abuse and specifically emotional abuse as opposed to like physical abuse all there's a little bit of that yeah the majority of it is about Nerum. like when it talks about like we read in the goodreads whatever about having to like the lies you tell yourself about like most of this book like at the heart of it is about Nerum overcoming gaslighting and like overcoming the way that others have used her empathy against her to control her um and it was just like there was so much depth to it i felt because it, it had all the superficial shiny things that i like and when i say superficial i don't mean like without substance i mean like the surface that would get you yeah. interested in a book but then there was like this beautiful deeper thing to it about like Niram's strength and like finding herself um and then, and we're not going to spoil anything, but then the ending, you're so pissed that there's not other books out already. Like, <laughs> I was so mad until I remember, because I forgot while I was reading it that there was going to be um, another book because I don't, I don't, obviously I don't want to spoil anything, but the way it works is the mystery is slow to unfold. And so... For most of it, I was focused on Sid and how much I love Sid. I love Sid so much, Marcy. I When we were having the discussion about rakes in class, we started talking about, well, why are there no female rakes? And like no one could think of any examples. And my teacher was like, that's a good point. And it's because misogyny. And then, hello, here is an extremely lovable female rake. And anyway, where was I going with that? Hmm. Um. Oh, I was focused on the romance. And so by the end, when I realized that it wasn't going to be resolved entirely by the end, like I was expecting, and I had forgotten there was another book, I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? And then I remembered that there is more to come. And now I just want the next one. Yeah. And I will say, so... The reason I picked this book is because Marie Rutkowski, I have a hard time with her name. I always take away like consonants where there should be consonants. Um, part of the reason I picked this book is because I really loved the Winners Trilogy. And part of the reason I loved the Winners Trilogy is that it was so unexpected. Like 
I talked about this during our year end wrap up. The book was unexpected in terms of like the cover really sucked, but the book was really awesome. But more than that, what happened in the book was super unexpected. Like fantasy and this genre sometimes has a sort of predictable arc to follow and Rutkowski did a really amazing job of stepping outside of that arc and making something that felt very different from how like you expected it to go and I will say this book does that like you kind of like think you know where it's headed and then it's not that way at all and I am very very excited to read the sequels whenever they come out I mean this book was just released like last month it was either February or March um of this year so we've got some time to wait for the next book in the series but I'm just gonna say like knowing this author like it's going to be a wild ride and I'm very excited about it I am so excited to be on this ride okay so what'd you give for balance so I kind of struggled with balance because like you said it's kind of slow to unfold so it is a little bit unbalanced in that way because the beginning, it, it really does take a minute to get going. And I actually struggled for the first couple chapters reading it because I wasn't like that interested in it. And then sort of once it got rolling, it really got rolling and I really wanted to read it. Um, so I decided to give it a three, which felt a little low for how much I liked the book. But if I'm looking at balance isolated, um, I'm giving it a three for average because there were points that I wasn't as interested and the points where I was very interested and it wasn't consistent throughout because I don't mind if the pacing changes because sometimes you have to change pacing. Like I'm fine with the fact that it started slow, but my only critique is that I was not interested equally like because it can be slow and you can still be just as interested. So I'm giving it a three. I feel like I had to explain that a lot because a three feels really harsh for how much I like this book, but I'm giving it a three. I also gave it a three, which I also felt was like, I also felt weird writing it because I was like, oh, but I really, really like the book. But same reason, just like I wasn't bothered by the beginning. I wasn't taken out by it, but I also wasn't like three is average. So it, that aspect was average to me. So just a three. Moving on to expectations, um, I had really high expectations for this book, and if a three is they met expectations, I give this a 4.5, because I, <laughs> to be honest, I really didn't even like look into what this book was about that much, because I just knew I liked the author, and I was excited to read something by her, and I was excited by the genre, um, genre, and so 4.5. I feel like because it, the like beautiful like world building of it just like blew me away because I already knew about the world in the Winners Trilogy. And so to be honest, I was kind of expecting her to work mostly off of what she'd done in the Winners Trilogy, but she brought so much new life to this series. Like it's set in the same world technically, but it's it's its own thing and I thought that was just like so amazing and like obviously took so much more initiative and time for her to go through the process of basically redoing a lot of world building even though it's technically in the same world she's already spent three books building and I just thought that was phenomenal so also the romance was really amazing and she writes really great romances so I'm not really surprised at that but it's just it just exceeded expectations so I gave it a 4.5. 
I also gave it a 4.5. Why do we we have similar ratings? I think that's fair though. Anyway. Um yeah, I gave it a 4.5. I came in not knowing what to expect at all. Kind of not expecting to like it a whole lot. Like I expected it to be more more akin to the books before that we've been reading that didn't thrill me necessarily but that I didn't not like and then I was thrilled um I was also thrown off a little bit because I'm not always in love with fantasy I don't want to say thrown off I was surprised in a good way because I'm not always in love with fantasy and I was in love with this fantasy so all good surprises also the thing about a large part of the book being about emotional abuse and like escaping it was I was not I was not expecting that at all and it was really good see I think that didn't surprise me as much because I knew the kind of emotional substance that has been in her previous writing and so I didn't know like what she was gonna use in this book but I was like yeah this is her to like make you think it's just gonna be a like fun fantasy romance and then to just like slap you in the face with real human emotion (laughs) That's fair. What did you give for writing style? I also gave it a 4.5. I mean, I'm telling you, all these 0.5s are just the 98 essay rule in action. I don't really have any critiques. I mean, there was a couple places where I got a little bit annoyed because I am weird about, um, I don't like, I don't like repetitive short lines. Um, like, I don't like you saying things. I don't like things to be emphasized by being put on a new line too often. Uh, and that happened a couple too many times. And that's like literally it that I have for critique for writing style. Like, I, I love her writing. So I love that that is your continued criticism for your books is you're like, stop putting, <laughs> stop using lines. For, for I'm consistent. What can I say? I know what I like. This is true. This is true. Um, I I gave it a four for similar reasons of like, I I liked it. I also feel like, though, some of my enthusiasm that I put towards the five of enjoyability could technically be redistributed to the writing style because I really liked your writing style. So I just sort of evened it, even to that one, to a four. Um, but I really liked her writing. I think Rutowski, is that how you say it? Or did you say it wrong and just make me say it wrong just now? There's a, there's a second K. It's R-U-T-K-O-S-K-I. Rutkowski. Rutkowski. I have a hard time with it. Anyway, the writing is beautiful. Rukowski's writing is beautiful. And I, so I gave it a four. Yeah. Moving on to memorability. What did you put? Because I'm not married to my rating and I can be convinced. I think I, I gave it a four. Again, because a lot of my point, my, my point fives and whatever were sort of put to my enjoyability. Because I do think I remember this, and I'm going to read the next one in the series whenever it comes out. But I, it's not quite a five. It's not like... In, in memorability for me, for it to be a five, has to like literally be my favorite book. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm the same way. For me, I really only give fives for memorability. Like you said, if it's like book if it's one of my top favorite books from now or on or whatever. Um, or sometimes I'll do it for nonfiction that was just really impactful. So, 
um, like I think when we read uh, The Polygamous Daughter, I think I gave memorability a five because it's like this really happened to someone. That being said, I also gave it a four because I'm going to remember this book. I'm going to remember that I liked it. I'm probably going to remember a good bit about the characters and like I'm going to remember a lot of my impressions of the book. Um, I don't think I'm going to remember, you know, everything that happens. Like, I think I'm going to have to reread it before book two comes out. But also, I'm going to read book two. So that says something also, like, that I'm going to I'm gonna be watching this series and be excited for the releases. So, Hey, yeah, that's the thing. Like, no one ever really talks about how hard it is to get people to read the second one and how much of an accomplishment it is if someone reads the second in your series. Like, that's, like, a big deal. Do you know what I mean? Like, we just sort of accept it because there are so many series in the world. But, like, that says a lot about how much they liked your writing if they pick up another one. Yeah, and, I mean, this is the fourth book I've read by her. So, like, I'm a fan. She's got me in her little claws. So, believability, what did you give? Because I always struggle with my ratings for believability. So, I gave believability a four. Um, because I felt that she made a fairly believable world. Um, you know, I didn't, there were no gaping holes or problems. Um, I got, I didn't give it a perfect five because there's a few moments and this might be user error, um, because I have read the other books where I got a little bit confused about where this book was in the timeline at certain points and like, I I just got a little bit confused with what was going on in like the mainland sometimes, which is a problem that you probably didn't have, um, because I was like, wait, but where? How does this fit in to the other thing that I read and like what's going on with this? Um, so that kind of detracted a little bit from me. But overall, I thought that she wove a very like beautiful world, and I thought the characters, especially, acted very human, like. That was probably the biggest part of the believability for me, even more than the fantasy world, because you go into it, it's a fantasy book, like you're expecting fantasy elements. So that's great. Um, And she definitely has a very fleshed out lore for this book. But the most believable part to me really was the human element. And when when I say this book is like about emotional abuse, like I really mean that. Like if that's going to be triggering for you, I honestly wouldn't read this book. Um, it's not that it's anything like explicit because that's kind of the point is the abuse that Niram has suffered is really, really subtle. And it's, you know, compounded over years. And it's not that any of the people taking advantage of her are being outright mean it's the manipulation um piece of it that i thought was like very expertly done and just it's really good it's really good i gave it a 3.5 because i always struggle with my believability rating because like we always say three is average and so most of the time i come out of books just feeling like unless there was a glaring problem, just feeling like, oh, okay, it's a three. But I but because I but I struggle with giving it anything lower than a three point five because I'm thinking about how much I liked it and how much like I really did believe the fantasy world that she has built. And also I like I haven't read the other books, so like I didn't have the problems that you were talking about. But um I don't know, I I think I just I really liked it. But I do struggle with believability rating. Yeah, I find that it is an awkward rating to do just because 
if because if there's nothing wrong yeah. it's just like a three like that's like yeah. that's the kind of writing that like it's hard to go too believable if that makes sense yeah it has to go like above and beyond in terms of like world building or like detail or whatever i think to get bonus points and believability yeah so that's why i settled on a 3.5 so marcy what's your overall my overall is a 4.08 my overall is just a four so So, nice yeah good job us i mean that feels accurate i think that this is a four-star book for me it is it's like one of those books that i think like individually is a four-star book but i can see the series when everything is panned out being a five-star series does that make sense like absolutely once we've zoomed out and everything's written and done i feel like this is gonna be like up there assuming nothing crazy happens a la the remnant chronicles um (laughs) yeah i was about to say you you know you've said that before i've been wrong before you've been wrong Um, before assuming that doesn't happen and i assuming like i said i think rukowski's really great with the unexpected um so i'm not sitting here saying i can even see the trajectory of this series at all but i think it's gonna be really good like i think it's gonna be really I have high expectations now, so I I also think it's going to be really good. So, Gray, that was The Midnight Lie. What are we reading next week? Your pick for the beginnings theme. Well, my pick for the beginnings theme, which we will be reading next, that is also a YA fantasy with LGBT main characters and the first of a series, is Infinity Sun by Adam Silvera, also a new release. Um, also a book I'm really excited about. I like Silvera's other work, so I'm going in. I don't have you read any of his stuff? No, but I've been really wanting to read Infinity Sun, so I'm really excited about this. Okay. It's his first um like fantasy book, so he mostly writes contemporary other than this. Um so I'm excited to see the differences between his other books and this one and just to read it. I'm I'm excited. Yeah, I'm stoked. What is Infinity Sign like about? It is about without looking at a at a, at the summary and reading the synopsis to you because we'll do that next episode. It is about super people with powers that live in the real world, like a world where superheroes are just around, but they're not called superheroes, and also reincarnation. Love it. Yeah. Great. It's exciting. Big fan. <laughs> I know describing fantasy is always really difficult because you're kind of like you just have to say elements that it's are in li- it. Yeah, it's literally like, uh, there's like um, power, <laughs> there's <laughs> magic, like, there's like magic, and you're like, yeah, you're reading a fantasy. Dad, like, it's like, but like it's like different, but like, like it's different like... magic than other magic. <laughs> That's the whole it's like, thing. But like it's like different than other boy. Like there's like a princess, and like she's in- she's a princess. <laughs> and um they shoot um things out of their hands anyway yeah and there's like i mean it's there's like a mystery (laughs) i love describing mystery books because it's like there's like a murder (laughs) and like so like so like the wife goes missing and like you like like, you you know it's the husband yeah but like it's not and it's like from the perspective of the dog so like (laughs) it's a really reliable narrator he's the (laughs) most reliable narrator you could have Oh, oh my god. Anyway, 
I'm writing that <laughs> I now. I hate describing books. I'm hitting up my agent with that book idea. Book two, it's a mystery from a dog's point of view. And we'll call it a dog's alibi. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking. Is the dog the murderer? Mm, you'll have to read to find out, I guess. Oh my god. Anyway, so we're reading Infinity Sun. We're reading Infinity Sun, and that'll do it for us mm-hmm. this week. Thank you for yeah. tuning in with us. Thank you for reading the book with us if you did. And if you didn't, you should read it because it was really good. You should. We really um, liked it. We really we liked had the a, book. We had a rough few weeks there. Few where it months. was just like, yeah, where it was just like, I don't know about this one. Yeah. We were just like just trying to be nice. reviews and trying not to be too like, <laughs> scathing because it was mostly just personal preference but also yeah. not enjoying them yeah, yeah. If we've we've turned a corner i think we're into good territory into good at least territory. for the rest of the month so pick up the midnight lie pick up infinity sun pick up infinity sun read the midnight lie even though you've already heard our review of it read infinity sun just because and then listen to our episode when it comes out because you should always listen to our podcasts ha 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 um <laughs> yeah thanks for hanging out with us everything's hard right now and we hope that maybe this is a moment of less hard. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Just a moment of, of, of fun in books. Yeah. And maybe inspired you to read a little bit because we all have time now. So just. <laughs> I have so much time to read now. I have so much time yeah. to listen to audiobooks while I play Animal Crossing. <laughs> so and true. try to kick Olaf out of my town. I want him <laughs> to leave. He is in the lowest cast of Great Animal Crossing is, Village. <laughs> he is. What is it? Half Kith? Is that the one that? Yeah, that's is... the, low, the lowest one. Olaf is half Kith. Anyway. Disgusting. So we will talk to you guys in a little while. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Stay 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 safe. Stay safe. I can't guys. say it. Stay safe. Stay inside. Oh my God. Stay inside. Stay inside. Stay inside with a book. Yes. Great. We're Do here it. to help you with that. Yes. So. Bye. Bye.